You're listening to Youth Ministry Maverick, a podcast about mold-breaking methods to invest in the next generation of the church. Here's your host, Jeff Harding. Hello, everyone. This is Jeff. Welcome back to the podcast. You are listening to episode 17, For Your Own Good. What does it mean for us to do good, to be good? We all have similar definitions, probably, especially as believers in Jesus Christ. However, the word good, if you look it up in the dictionary, um, you will find a lot of options of how to approach that term, that concept. And so, what does it mean, especially if we want to set a great example of following Jesus, be a good witness in the world of who God is, how God made us, His love and His glory? What does it mean for us to do good? Because obviously, there are a lot of nonprofits, other organizations that are aiming to do good in the world, to feed the hungry, to clothe the needy, uh, to rescue people from domestic violence, uh, from oppression of all sorts. And I've actually had students ask me over the years, can only Christians do good? So to talk about that with me today is my buddy Josh Daniels. Josh is a previous guest. I grew up with him in the church. Uh, He no longer identifies with any faith. He is up in the Pacific Northwest, and we have a really great discussion on what does it mean to do good and to be good. Um, Can there be a non-Christian and a Christian good that coexist? Is only one good while the other is false? And so we have a pretty robust discussion, uh, asking different questions of each other, and just talking about what it means for us to do good. And I think this is a great example of how to really uh, own our belief and how to teach students to really think deeply about what they believe and even how they identify terms. Because when we use a certain term, like the word good, um, it is good for us to define that and to figure out what uh, we mean when we use those terms. Because if we don't, then the dialogue can get lost. This is one of my longer interviews, but it is a fantastic discussion. So let's go ahead and hop into the conversation with Josh. Josh, thanks so much for hopping on the podcast again with you, man. Hope you're doing well. How's it going during COVID madness for you up in Seattle? Uh, it's about the same. We've, uh, we've, we've had a little bit of heat, not quite uh, Texas heat, but it's been a little bit. And so being trapped in the house and not being able to go to parks and stuff has been a little bit of a bummer, but uh, overall it's good. We're adjusting and uh, the kids, uh, Faye would have started preschool this week, I think, uh, her second year of preschool. So just um, uh, just kind of like pivoting and learning how to be like a full-time work at home parent that helps your spouse educate your kid. Like it's like such a weird time to be alive, but man, we're learning skills that like <laughs> never a time you would have thought like I needed to be able to do all this at the same time. So yeah, it's good. It's yeah. Good. How about you? Good, man. Good. Yeah. Uh, uh, our son's uh, Mother's Day out preschool program has a, has a delayed start till after Labor Day. Uh, so in a few weeks. And that's like the only program in the area that's still open. Most of them have closed until next fall. So we're hoping that this Sorry, one... 21. Uh, yeah. So we're hoping that this one um, doesn't do that. 
yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah. Uh, all right, man. Well, uh, as I mentioned in the intro, we'll be talking about the definition and parameters of good. Uh, what does good mean? What does it look like? And does it matter? Uh, the uh, term good is scattered throughout the Bible and Christianity is sometimes characterized as the fighting of good and evil or light versus darkness. Um, good is also a strong cultural goal and element that is strived for and pursued. Uh, we want good things and good lives for ourselves. We celebrate the good in others as highlighted by stories of kindness. We tell our kids that they did a good job on their art project. Uh, and there's an example from cinema that I want to get to in a moment. Uh, but that's probably enough for now. So Josh, uh, you know, let, let, let's start here. There are several synonyms associated with the word good, both in the dictionary and the thesaurus. But the sheer number of them, I mean, I think one of them I looked at said there are three entries and each entry had like 15 definitions or, or synonyms, right? And so that implies that the definition of good is versatile and even relative. So what would you say if someone asked you to succinctly define the term good? Good humor bars are delicious ice cream. Also, mm, now you're um, yeah, that's such a good point. Actually, it's so funny because I think that this I'm not going to succinctly do it up front. Spoilers. I'm going to talk about succinctly doing it. Uh, it seems so easy. I think like you ask the question and it's just like, this is such an obvious answer. Right. And so I was like, well, I do want to be succinct and I do want to get it down to like a sentence and I want every word to matter. And so I did what you probably also did and started just looking for some very basic definitions of it just so I could be like, that's the one or whatever. And, um, <laughs> dictionary.coms was hilarious because I, I've been on there so long that every word is clickable in a definition. And so you right. can just keep going down this rabbit hole. Right. And so, um, the very, like, I think the first definition in there says something about like moral or morality. And I was like, you're kind of using the word in the definition now, I think. And so I click that one and you end up in this weird, like circular loop where it's like, and so, um, I think when, when I think about goodness or whether or not we can use good as like an adjective, like, is this a good thing? Um, that it's like a behavior or an action or like conduct um, that is just preferable if you're given a choice of actions. And generally it's like uh, you say like, okay, now prefer preference is subjective. And so preference to who, preference to you, preference to me, preference to the person doing the action or the person receiving the action, that kind of stuff. And I think um, for me, it's about looking at it holistically uh, and, and saying like, um, can I evaluate my action or others' actions to see if they produce a better or worse outcome for uh, like conscious creatures is kind of the way I think about it. And so um, I assume we will probably get into examples a little bit later, but uh, you know, the, the extreme we always use is, uh, is murder, is murder objectively evil or bad or whatever. And that, um, the follow-up question to a usually like universal, like obviously it's bad or obviously it's evil or it's not good is like, but what about self-defense or what about the death penalty or what about whatever? And I still believe that if you use the same framework and you say that, do we as a society advance? Are we better? Or are the lives of people better um, because of this choice that I have to make in this moment? And it, it's not always black and white, but it gets a little bit closer to that, uh, especially when you start making those decisions from an empathetic, empathetic uh, standpoint. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Uh, I did the same thing you did. And, you know, it's a rabbit hole of what does our culture and it's, it's interesting because I think dictionary.com, uh, probably a little bit unlike Merriam-Webster, 
is a little bit more crowdsourced. And so it like looks at searches, it looks at like what people associate with it. Um, I know there are several um, sources online where if you say, what's a good Bible verse for X, lots of those are actually crowdsourced and look at searches and not even like a Bible scholar has said this, right? Um, and uh, a few years ago, uh, we had either a series or a conversation with our students in the ministry about good and I looked up on dictionary.com and there's a setting where you can see like how often a word is searched for. Um, mm. And whenever I looked it up in the last two years, whatever time I looked it up, good. I just now thought of it when you were talking. It, it was either in the top 10% or top 1% of words oh, wow. searched for. That's how often it's searched yeah. for. And so yeah. that even adds to the question, right, of you talking about, well, this is relative and it's subjective, like, but also people like want to know how to use it and what does it actually mean if it means 30 different things, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think it's, uh, it's interesting because people use it just as uh, often as you say, hey, how's it going? And 99.5% of the time, we don't actually want to know how's it going. We're just saying it. Um, and so if we say, hey, that's great or hey, that's good. And you start to, you know, philosophically pick that apart and look at the culture and look at the human species and look at what it actually means to be good. It's very broad, it seems like, right? It's very, yeah. very broad. And so, you know, I, I think I think what you said, especially focusing on conscious creatures, right? Because you can be a little more black and white and scientific with like, what's good for the environment? What's good for these things? But when you have the top of the food chain, you have human beings, right? You have, I think, therefore I am. And, you know, people would argue that humans might have a spirit, animals might not, or it's different. And so like, what does it mean when we can think about those different definitions of good when no other creature really can, it becomes kind of wide to be a one size fits all, but that size is, you know, the size of human history. So there's, there's a lot behind that, I think. Yeah. And, 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 and even decisions that involve like non or unconscious uh, creatures, like you can still kind of like chain it up to conscious creatures, right? So like um, uh, instead of thinking about it in the terms of like, oh, is this good or bad for the environment or whatever you think uh, is doing things that can be perceived as good or bad for the environment, good or bad for conscious creatures, mm-hmm. right? And so um, I am on just like I'm a month away from a year vegetarian. It's a weird world to live in. And uh, we didn't, I didn't do it. My wife did. I didn't do it for ethical reasons. I just was like trying it out to see if I felt healthier or whatever the deal was. And um, over the last year, I've become a little more uneasy about uh, eating meat and that kind of stuff. Like a friend of mine took me out to drinks at a barbecue place last week. And it was like a struggle to watch him chow down all of this pork. Right. And so I go, well, is eating meat inherently good or bad, right? And and that um, that that isn't the decision. Uh, oh, and you go well. Obviously, it's it's got to be inherently good because there are whole societies and cultures that don't have good vegetable options, right? And and all throughout history, if we would not have had meat at some point, uh, we would not have been able to survive. And we our teeth have like evolved to manage that and all that stuff. And so, but then you think about. I think it was on your podcast. I think there was this um, kind of like atheist morality gotcha moment of like someone was telling a story about how like 
oh, well, my relative morality is that my friends and I go dump a bunch of toxic pollutants into a lake to kill a bunch of fish because we think that's fun. And if there's no, like, if there's no objective morality, then you can't tell me that that's wrong because we think it's right. And I go, well, okay, so these fish probably aren't conscious creatures. So we're not talking about whether or not it's good for the fish, but we as people can go, okay, is it good for us as a species or as a society to pollute a water source or a source of uh, food or nourishment for other humans or other creatures that we may then rely on getting that nourishment? And then at that point, it's easy to say, this is objectively bad because when you pollute the environment in a way that then it impacts us all the way down and it is not a preferential or preferable option for us to now have less options for food and water and uh, you know, our world not to burn to a crisp and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It seems pretty easy to kind of like watch these chain all the way down. It's just not always as easy as evaluating like the instant results of that first action. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that's where the um, fact of it being subjective and so wide and everyone kind of has their own lane in, in what's good is there are times when you have to boil it down and think about, well, okay, I might think it's more attributed to this and this, but can we agree that it also should be this, right? And so that's not really a different lane. It's more of like a foundation of what it should be because we're trying to find common ground with it because when you're talking with someone about, you know, abstract philosophical, philosophical uh, things like what is good, um, you can both talk about uh you know well i think the phoenix suns are good or i think you know the seattle seahawks are good you know and there's all these like different like and you get higher level higher level but what's the basis what's the common denominator that you know as human beings as uh you know as christians would would argue you know people made the image of god as, as god's children um what does it mean that the world was created with these guidelines in this perspective and what can we agree on as far as creation as far as how we think as far as how we're to act right because most people would associate good with conduct with behavior with um yeah all those types of things um and i I think that kind of um gets us to uh the example uh from cinema that I, i wanted to get to so this is a star wars spoiler alert as weird as that might sound so if anyone just, listening uh, i'm gonna put my headphones down for a second yeah. and just wave at me when it's over. exactly yeah well i mean yeah i mean it's they've had how many years but uh, you know if anyone listening for some reason hasn't seen star wars this is going to be a spoiler alert so pause this episode go watch at least the original trilogy which you can take back under the rock where you've been living, you know. Uh, so there's a pivotal exchange with Luke Skywalker and his father, Anakin, more widely known as Darth Vader, and Star Wars uh, Return of the Jedi. Uh, Luke uh, uh, is on Endor, gives himself up to the Imperial Guards, who then take him to Vader. Uh, Luke is desiring to sway his father from the dark side of the Force. When Vader says that he no longer acknowledges the name Anakin, Luke says that it is the name of your true self you've only forgotten i know there is good in you the emperor hasn't driven fr- driven it from you fully at the end of the brief interaction luke imploring his father to rid himself of the, his internal conflict luke says let go of your hate vader in response says it is too late for me son uh and one widely acknowledged social philosophy is that doing good will get you to heaven Uh, whatever good means, which certainly goes back to how you define good. 
And the main thing I want to talk about related to that and even that movie quote and what we've talked about so far is that I've had multiple students over the years ask me if only Christians can do quote unquote good. So if we base good as currency for divine reward, or if we do it simply to be good humans in hopes that others will be good humans, I can understand that question. Uh, I can also understand it from Bible passages talking about God as the only one who is good, Jesus told the rich young ruler. Uh, and in Ephesians, we, were, we are created in Christ Jesus for good works, which, which God has prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. So there's my fire hose. <laughs> uh, so uh, Josh, uh, you know, think about that. Does it track that there are two kinds of good or do you think that we're all just talking about the same thing? You know, does good being or coming from God change anything? Or is it all just still the same broad? Yeah, but we can fit that in, in this lane and this lane. It's, it's still all good. What do you think? Yeah, that's a great question. I think that the two can exist as long as they don't exist in conflict with each other. And so um, something you said right at the end before uh, that question, we're talking about like, um, like agreeing or coming to a common ground is that like the way that we can have a societal morality is like, it's your desires, my desires, like the way that we want to protect our family or take care of, you know, our friends or whatever, but then we have to have a cooperative environment. And if we don't come to this cooperative environment, then we are working against our ability to like move forward as a society and move forward as individuals as a result of that. And so when you talk about like, um, like a, um, like a humanist, uh, definition of good, which for me comes from, um, empathy and, uh, and, um, and not from the idea that there is a, a punishment or reward for my decisions, but just that, um, I, I want to treat others the way that I want to be treated. It's pretty easy. And I want, and that like, for me, there's no blocker. There's no filter. I have to run that through and go, Ooh, should I be empathetic to this person? It's always yes, all the time. Right. But when you have a system that puts conditions on good, like, um, uh, I think about, um, two things actually with your question. The one thing I think about is like Catholic hospitals, right? If you have a, a hospital that is um, not associated with any religion or is humanist based, there's no reason that they would refuse service to someone. You bring someone in, they do no harm. We provide the service to you and we take care of you. But a Catholic hospital, you come in requesting service and whether they're doing it consciously or formally, they have to go through a checklist of whether or not you meet the criteria to earn their empathy, right? Like they're not going to provide certain types of family planning services because their morality doesn't line up with your needs. Uh, they will not, if your, if your gender identity doesn't line up with their understanding or beliefs about gender, they will not provide you a service. And so that's where I talk about, like, as long as they don't come into conflict, we can each have our own, like, you know, micro perspective of what good is. But as a society, we have to have this cooperative environment. We have to come to the same conclusions that like empathy needs to drive this kind of stuff. And anything that doesn't line up with an empathetic approach to good or to morality needs to be questioned. Why are we doing that? Why, why is that's against our nature. Like, why are we going against our nature to act differently in a way that's not preferable? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I guess I wasn't aware of that specifically with Catholic hospitals. Uh, is, is, is St. Jude's a children's network or is it a hospital? I, that's a great, um, I think, I think, well, I mean, it's, that's a good question. I don't know. I don't, I, I'm, I'm going to like 
spitball that one. And that's probably not something I want on a permanent recording that'll end up in like the Library of Congress someday. Yeah. So I don't know 100 yeah. percent what the case is, but um I, I believe I'm not gonna answer that question. Yeah, because I, I mean, uh I don't know if Jennifer Aniston is, is Catholic or not, but she's a big spokesperson for them. So if they deny people based on that, I wouldn't think she would be one to uh boost them up. So uh Yeah, I mean that, and yeah. it in her case, I she's been has that been for a while? Like I it's these kind of things become acceptable because they're they're not they're like so beneath the surface that they're not coming out and outright saying like if you're trans or if you need an abortion or whatever find somewhere else to go right um, that's like Hobby Lobby that's Hobby Lobby's jam is to come out and scream from the rooftops what their beliefs are and whether or not you should work there but like in this case if you're in an emergency like you need to be taken to the nearest hospital you shouldn't have to make a decision about like oh what are the you know what are the non-ethical moral standpoints of this, this group? And when you have someone like Jennifer Aniston, I mean, she probably has some sort of connection with it. Um, and St. Jude's, I have like super good, uh, like a few, there's what's the other Catholic hospital in Phoenix? Um, oh, Luke's oh. St. Luke's. Yeah. Yeah. Was it like, it's not like you have bad. I don't, I don't remember like going and protesting them when I was a kid when we were down there or anything. So it's not like they're like this big temple of evil or anything. It's just, um, this is this level of what is good to them is just so like ingrained in them that then it manifests in their actions, which again, like that's what we're talking about. I don't necessarily care about what you believe about anything. I just care about how you act on that stuff, which I think is what we talked about last time. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Connection. Yeah. Um, so oh, super intentional guys. That was a through line. <laughs> we did it on purpose. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, you know, what, while, while I was looking this up, I, I found something that I had found, before and I'm pretty sure it was in a seminary class and then maybe even something I re- revisited when I did that series uh, or conversation with our students about good is um, Jonathan Edwards, pastor and theologian. Uh, there's someone recently who kind of went through his works and much like um, has been done with like John Calvin and people like that, like he went through his works and was like, what are the main standpoints and foundations of what he was trying to get across in colonial America. And one of them that was brought up was good. And so uh, from the Jonathan Edwards perspective, he defined good as like, think of something that's beautiful and virtuous and uh, how kind of like you said, like both uh, Christian and non-Christian, if you will, good and beauty coexist, but one is from the Christian perspective, lesser than. And it's not lesser than because it helps a human's physical or mental or emotional needs less. It's because if we believe, if Christians believe that our creator, our father, um, God, um, father, son, and spirit is eternally and wholly good, like the best good that we can come up with, you know, which is why Jesus said, why do you call me good? There's only one who is good. Then that means that if we're his creation, then everything that is good should in some way eventually point back to him, his glory, and the fact that we're created and that he loves us, right? And so uh, when you have um, Jesus talking about um, who will be with him in heaven and his his disciples are are talking to him, um, and you have the uh, sheep and the goats, which is a very interesting parable that makes it seem like salvation is works-based, like, when were you in prison? When did you need us to do anything? And Jesus responds, uh, 
If you fed the hungry, then you fed me. If you clothed the needy, then you clothed me, right? And so, and you look at Acts 2 and the formation of the church and people selling all that they had to give to those who, who, who had need. If anyone had need, then they were able to take what they needed and no one lived in abundance, but everyone was taken care of, right? And so doing good for society and caring for others, right? Jesus said that all 613 commandments are summed up in love God, love others. And so it should be a no-brainer to be able to say we should do good. Yes, we should build houses with Habitat for Humanity. We should go and help those who are hungry. We should help those who are being oppressed, whether it's by systems, whether it's by uh, their environment, you know, all sorts of things. But uh, I guess to take it one step further from the Edwards perspective is, you know, does that good reflect and even point to God and his glory? And when I think about, you know, those 30 or 40 definitions that, you know, we both saw online and we think about, um, I think for Christians, um, pretty much everything that we've talked about of what is good is uh concurrent it's lining up everything's the same and then where christians would maybe take it up to the next step if you will is saying and you know we believe that god created us and so all these things that that are good are a reflection of him um and that can go for things that are terrible uh and we learn from them which uh, a more spiritual example if you will is joseph in genesis he was sold by his brothers into slavery uh, was falsely accused of trying to rape Potiphar's wife. He was thrown in prison. Um, and by all of that, at the end, uh, he was second in command of all of Egypt. Uh, when, when Faith and I uh, went to the Louvre in, in uh, Paris, they had a special Egypt exhibit, and they had some artifacts there from when Joseph was in Egypt. It was really, they had mummies, they had like things that were like specifically from that time zone. Uh, and it made me think about like, oh my gosh, that's so far away, uh, so long ago. Um, but then to think, you know, when you see old movies, you think that uh, real life was actually black and white, like things were actually sure. old timey and everything. Yeah. And then when you think, no, I mean, it's people just like us and they didn't have the technology, they didn't have the foresight or the research and the scientific perspective and all of that that we have now but thinking about base human instinct what is good what is not um and uh and when his brothers who had sold him came to egypt looking for food and they meet joseph uh and they don't recognize him at first even when they do recognize him uh he's like what you intended for evil god meant for good and so uh you know when i've had students ask me that I haven't had a right away answer for him. Like, oh, of course only Christians can do good. You know, because if you say that, um, or maybe the same uh, application uh, of love, can only Christians love, right? Because if we think that God's love is the best love, then if it's not involving um, God or, or what God talks about with love, then are you saying that this grandpa over here doesn't love his grandson? You know, of course not. And so that's why we have to like think about if we use these big cultural terms and even if we use them like I brought up uh, earlier where, oh, you know, if I do enough good, if I have enough on this side of the scale, then things will tip in my favor and I can go to heaven or I'll get rewarded for it or I'll be a good person, right? And sometimes it's not worth it to 
pick apart every discussion like, wait, you said this word, let's go down this rabbit trail. Most of the time it's like, okay, and we go along with it because we kind of understand what they're talking about, right? But when it comes to life and death or salvation or punishment, kind of like you brought up, right, or systems, um, then uh, it's always good for us instead of, you know, doing the normal thing, which might be especially with politics or with other things like going to our cliffs and throwing rocks, like, well, what do you mean by that word? Because just having that conversation can open up these, oh, well, I understand. Okay, that makes sense. There's no reason for me to launch into something on you or whatever else, or just to just to assume this is what you mean and then to blast you or blast people who someone might think they hold the position and speak for all these people, right? Just yeah. ask someone what they mean. And then it's like, oh, uh, okay, right? Okay. That makes sense. I think that's a really good point. And I wanted to tag onto something you said kind of towards the end there, like um, as far as like, um, like incentivized goodness uh, is, is something I think that as, um, as a non-believer, it, the way that uh, Christians tend to approach the notion of like the, the motivation for being good uh, sometimes gets borderline scary. When you hear things like, um, well, if, God didn't do, if God didn't create morality or if God is not the sole source of goodness, then if morality is subjective, then what's to keep us from running around and raping and killing people. And you're like, okay, I don't uh, subscribe to this belief system. And I tend to abstain from doing these things regularly uh, or at all for, for what it's worth. And so you, it feels like it starts to say more about the believer who would say something like that saying like, look, this is where my head is at all the time. And the potential punishment of hell is the only thing keeping me from going off the edge here. Right. And that when you start thinking of like needing a reason to be good, um, because you and I are not, um, inherently worthy of empathy without some sort of external qualifier, then if there's a way to start removing those conditions from your mindset, where does that leave you when it's all said and done? So like, if you treat others good because they are made in the image of God, for example, if you get to a point where maybe you fall out of belief, do you continue to treat others good? Or was that condition the only reason you would actually ever treat anyone good? And now we're just living in the wild, wild west. Right. Um, and, and the step further from that is that when, when you have, uh, like the option of uh, eternal redemption for any decision you make, you are less incentivized to make the right decision the first time. Because as a Christian, you can totally screw up super bad with me. You can just like, we can have like the worst blow up and you can feel awful about it. Go pray for a while, repent. And then after a time, you are, you can allow yourself to uh, alleviate your conscience of, conscience of that burden. Um, but as someone who doesn't feel like does not have any external way to, uh, to do that, the incentive on someone who does not have an incentive based belief system is to get it right the first time, because I don't, I don't get to like walk away from this later and like do some sort of ritual that will then, um, absolve me of the thing I did. I have to go to that person. Uh, and, and, or if that relationship still exists, I have to go to that person and be able to, uh, to rectify it. And even if I do, there isn't a cosmic way for me to say, I no longer feel the burden of hurting someone anymore. Um, and, and that kind of lines up with this whole, like, 
Like there are all these reasons why we do good from a religious standpoint. And that when I say, look, empathy is literally the thing, like just be empathetic towards other people. And if you, if you, if you have a level of mindfulness that is empathy focused, you will find yourself in less situations where you need to ask for repent, like you need to repent and ask for forgiveness for things because you are leading with empathy. You're not leaning back on the whole, um, uh, it's easier to ask for forgiveness than permission uh, type of thing. And so I think um, kind of, we, we, we don't do this, we haven't done this before. And it's kind of a little bit of a question that I want to throw your way. I know we're kind of hitting the end of our time here, but I legitimately don't have an answer to this. And that's why I'm very interested in getting your perspective is if you and I share a cooperative environment, I think, I think I know enough about you to say, I think that you and I would agree almost on every single thing, whether or not it is good. I can't think of a lot of behaviors or actions that we would objectively go like, mm, slavery, good. You know, uh, so we kind, of, we kind of align on that. But so knowing that we kind of approach life from the same empathetic viewpoint and all that kind of stuff, what to you is the value of needing goodness to rely uh, on a, one specific external factor, in this case, obviously God. So like, what, what are you capable of doing? What level of good are you capable of doing that I am not capable of doing because I don't share the same reason for doing it? I love that setup because I want to bring up an example and that setup is exactly a good time for me to bring it up. So when I, too, everybody. <laughs> uh, when I was, uh, so when I was in junior high and eighth grade uh, in youth group, my teacher, someone you might know, uh, Mr. Uh, Lonnie Daniels, uh, asked us, our small group, if heaven did not exist, would there be a point in being a Christian? And man, it threw our little junior high minds for a loop. I mean, we were like the most blank face, jaw on the ground, like staring off in the nowhere. Did you just make words like what did you even say like what like how do i begin to think about that because you know for for a one in in junior high our minds are slowly moving from concrete to abstract anyway so for us to think about the implications of a question like that was like what and heck as an adult it's still a great question and that's essentially what you're asking in in, yeah. in a a different way, but you know, it's essentially what you're asking. Um, and I remember answering him. Um, yes, it would still be worth it because, uh, we were created to and commanded to be good for the benefit of others to demonstrate that God is real and just to be good because God is good. And so, yes, even if that didn't mean that heaven existed right there would still be a point to having the belief of following jesus and the conduct and behavior that flows from that is being good right um so i um and then so fast forward two years uh i was a sophomore in high school um i can't remember who i've read even brought this up to so here you go world um my sophomore history teacher we were talking about religion and uh he was a a a jewish guy and so he asked if there are any christians in the room i raised my hand and he asked me the question um how do you get to heaven what does it take to get to heaven and as a sophomore in high school like 
a few months before I felt the call to ministry, I froze and I eventually answered being good. And I felt like this big. I felt yeah. like such a dunce. And and he said, being good and just kind of paused and smirked like, huh, right, whatever. And then kept talking. And uh, someone in my yearbook at the end of the year wrote, hey, man, I'm really glad that you stood up for your faith. And I read that. I'm like, no, I didn't. I froze and gave the lamest answer ever that I still to this day feel guilt for because I knew the right answer. Right. And yet I said that. Um, And I think the hard part uh, for people, even in our generation, not so much now, hopefully depends on what church you're at or part of the country or whatever, but man, the, the stress on morals and rules and do this, don't do this. Right. And um, whether it's the purity movement, whether it's you name it, you know, just the shame and guilt of not uh, doing the right thing. And if you don't do the right thing, yeah, there's forgiveness and grace, but don't do it because it's mm. wrong, right? Yeah, and yeah. Uh, I was raised, and I have students over the years who've been raised to do all the right things. And that's great. But sometimes, especially for, um, a Christian who gets caught up in that, it actually causes a lot of detriment that we don't see because they ignore what the Christian life really should be about. Yes, it's about doing good and we should be good people no matter what, kind of your point. But the point of heaven and salvation isn't that we're good. It's admitting that we're not good enough and depending on what Christ did for us. And when you are tied to the source when you accept Christ and you know the love that you have and you know that you're treasured beyond anything because God made you, God knew you before you even existed, right? And so to know that and to dive into that fact and to appreciate how much we're treasured, even though we screw up, even though we cheat and lie and everything else, then out of thankfulness and abundance, yes, we should be good, but the motivation to be good. Hopefully, if you're a Christian, if you're listening, right, it shouldn't be to that you're going to be punished because you're bad, right? It should be that you realize, hey, you know, uh, I still mess up, but I'm still loved by God. And so I appreciate the love of God even more. And so out of that, I want to point people to that and I want to help and care for others just like Jesus did, just like the disciples did, just like others did and organizations do today, whether it's, whether it's compassion international, whether it's whatever else that helps with kids, with the poor, people who are struggling from racism, like all, all kinds of things, we should be good. Um, but it's, it shouldn't be out of fear, right? And I love how you painted that because I still think there are Christians today, maybe even some who are listening, who are like, yeah, I do believe that, but I need to do good. I need to do good. And it's incentivized instead of it's a natural thing being made in the image of God. We should want good for those who are around us because God loves them. And even if uh, people don't believe that God loves them, we need to live together. Kind of like you said, we coexist. And so what good is it if it's like, well, let's just make our own little Christian island and go over here. I remember years ago in the news, I heard somewhere in the South, which kind of tracks that um, in, the, in the Bible Belt, that someone wanted to make a Christian only city. And a lot of Christians yeah. rightly uh, clapped back at that and were like, that is so anti-Great Commission. What are you thinking? Like, you're not supposed to like isolate and say only Christians. It should be 
You should be loving and going out and being among everyone and loving them, not because they're Christian or not, but because God made them and you should love them for being a human being. Uh, so anyway, I love that you brought that question up because I, I was thinking about uh, what uh, he uh, said to us in eighth grade. And I'm like, that's a great setup because if there's yeah. no incentive system, right, then should you still be good? And the answer is yes, of course, but also salvation and punishment is more nuanced uh, than that. And if you're, if heaven is motivating you to be good, then that's, you have that kind of messed up. <laughs> yeah. And I think that that's, that's such a funny call out. My dad and I used to talk about the left behind series, which I think I was reading around the same time that you were probably having these conversations with him. And I was talking to him about how like spending 12 novels to talk about the end of the world and what comes after it is such like a horrible use of Christian's energy when like we're doing that at the expense of focusing on the one we live in now, you know, and that, that like, like it's greatest fiction and stuff, but you remember it was like this cult movement. Like there were movies coming out, people were talking about it and lines at the bookstore, a la Harry Potter style. And like, it was bonkers. And it was like, yeah, this is good, but what are you guys doing to make it now? You know, like always focused on what happens after this. How are we improving our experience together? Um, yeah, I, yeah, that's all really, I love what you said there. And I think for me, um, what I'm the most interested in is what you are able to do as someone who has like this direct line to youth, some youth that would come from a place of the notion that I am incapable of doing good, that, that like, can you teach empathy and goodness, like the, the desire to do good and live in this world together that, um, that doesn't hinge on that stuff at all. Like, I think that the majority of what you said there, I would be shocked how many Christians would, would say like, yeah, of course, obviously I'd still be a Christian. If there was like literally no reward for it, I would keep doing it anyway. Right. Because like we have whole movements that don't care about global warming because this earth was supposed to die so we can have, you know, or whatever and stuff. And so, um, I, to me as a person who is directly influenced by, things that happen inside the church today still and things that happened in the church when I was still in it 20 some odd years ago, that, um, that the people that come out of it, the actions that they, uh, the actions they take are rooted in who they are and what they believe. And that if what, if the first thing they believe is that they have to make decisions based on an incentivized program. And the second thing they believe is to be empathetic in everyone. There will be times where this will come into conflict at some point. Like you'll, you'll still hear, Christians try to defend Old Testament slavery, for example, as opposed to just saying objectively it's wrong and we shouldn't own people, right? And it's because there are there are these like cognitive dissonances every now and then, these very tiny things where I want to believe in my interactions with you that you and I are just trying to live together in the perfect, in the most perfect environment that we can provide each other. Not that if one uh, degree of your belief system changes, uh, I am like trash to you. And I think that the polarization we talked about last time, like the polarization of our society and like these extremes and stuff like that start coming from our inability to prioritize empathy over everything. And we start thinking about what we can get out of this interaction or what, who you are and whether or not you have earned my empathy and this like blanket uh, humanist approach to how we treat each other, I think is like, it, that feels like the freest and clearest way to guarantee uh that we coexist, like you said. And so I think that that's kind of the root of my question is, can you have a God or biblical based root of goodness that still 
would answer that you would still answer the question the way that you did in junior high and how do you as a youth pastor continue to like raise the next generation up to still think like yes i i care about people more than i care about my reward yeah uh well i mean as far as being selfless and living and leading with being humble uh that's the example that jesus gave and so if we're in something for our own reward um then you question the motivation for it. Now, when it comes to eternity and salvation, I think that's a little bit of a different conversation. It's still related, but a little bit different. But nevertheless, kind of like I pointed out, if if salvation in heaven is like, well, that means I can live like this or do this because it says in the Bible that, you know, like, yes, you should go about um, your life looking at what God has laid out, but also like we've talked about and like I talked about with other guests, when you talk about something that has multiple definitions or implications, the very, very least any human can do is to talk about what those definitions are and what they mean and why the one that you're guided toward is the one that you're guided toward and what it means to you. But if it means this way to you, how do you approach it, right? It's the very least we can do as human beings. And also, like if we believe God created us and God loves us, then um, there was a study that we did about a year and a half ago called When Helping Hurts. And um, it was, uh, I brought it up on um, a past episode uh, or two even. And it's basically like um, looking at short-term missions and evangelism. And it's like, do those things actually help in the long term? Or they just allow us to pat ourselves on the back and say, I built this house and I did this and take pictures and, and here you go. And uh, one example I gave with my students is, you know, when you see a homeless person on the side of the road, or if you're walking on a sidewalk and they're sitting down, maybe with a dog, maybe by themselves, they have a cup out or anything else. um, If you were to talk to that person or give them something or make demands of that person or try and help that person even, would you stand up and talk down to them? Or would you get on their level to have a normal human interaction respect them and relate to them as human beings because spiritually you are as poor and wretched as they are, right? And so I think this is where the nuance of good kind of splits. Uh, When we think about our eternal reward is heaven and uh, the way that we um, get there is by realizing that we're not good enough. The good that we do here on earth to others, for the environment, for any of those things, that good, um, you know, scripturally, it's treasure in heaven, but also you're following the example of Jesus Christ. And any good that, that you do can't outweigh um, original sin or can't outweigh the need that we need a savior. And so um, if you do good or bad for others, right, um, then uh, doing bad toward others is something that is highlighted in scripture. And it's like, here's a reason or here's the here's the reason why this and this and this, why you're not good enough, right? If if God is perfect. But as far as like being a basic human being and being good to your neighbor, being good to others, I think the main reason why Jesus pointed those things out um, in the the Beatitudes, at the beginning of his ministry, the the Sermon on the Mount, the people that he talks about are people who are less than, people who need others to help them, people who are suffering, people who need mercy. Um, And the uh, church... And Acts 2, coming together and giving to those who had need 
if they hadn't have done that, um, would God still forgive them and love them? Yes. So, so why did they do that? It showed Christian hospitality and generosity, but also if you are hungry, you should have food. Jesus said, if I was, if you fed the hungry, you fed me. Right. And so if for some reason, heaven and eternity with God was not something to be grasped, but everything else remained the same, then yeah, basic goodness, because we coexist, we live together, this is creation, but also because if we recognize that someone is eternally priceless and valuable because God created them spiritually from a Christian perspective, not heaven, but even just because of that, that is reason enough spiritually, but also practically just for the good of others. It's good to help others because they can help you and you can live together in community. I think the next level of this like incentive-based goodness is that when we put that onto someone else and I say, I'm going to be good to you conditionally, right? And, and that is, I immediately think of our like late summer mission trips where we would go to these poverty stricken border towns and help them with projects or feed them or help rebuild a building or something. But, and maybe this, I assume that there are areas of ministry that this has changed since then, but then um, we would never do that without the condition that we would also be like holding church services or doing worship or witnessing and doing that kind of stuff. And so even in that situation, it's like, this is like, colonizing America, like convert to Christianity, never mind, we'll kill you type of thing where it's, it's like, can, I think this goes back to the issue of like this, like the reason for the good you do, if it's, if it's based on a condition, then you see this example of like this conditional goodness, I am allowed to continue to mirror this conditional goodness. And I don't have to go out. Like, could you sit down and talk to this guy on the street and not feel like you need to witness to him at the end of the thing. Like, can you be good without the condition that you will, he, that person also has to do something for you in exchange, uh, whether it's like attend something or give some donation to like the like monks that are walking downtown that will pray for you. If you, you know, that if you donate to their cause and stuff like that. And I think like my wrap up on my end is that that is the thing. Like as we continue to have these conversations, I think this keeps bubbling up to the surface for me is like, I want to, as I understand more about like what your ministry is and like your, your very unique perspective to ministry that's very different than the way we were raised and what ministry was like, um, at least for me anyway in the church, that like, can I trust that you and folks that share your approach to ministry are um, leading young people in a way that they can come out of their semi-sheltered, protected time in church and go out and be members of society and that their heart is still very empathy driven. And honestly, whether I agree with the notion that we're good to people because they're made in God's image or not, if your default is to be good to people, like that's what I want. I don't want, like, like I want to, I need to, I desperately need to be reassured that kids coming out of youth ministry today uh, have a level of empathy and care about other people and don't need a reward for doing it. Because as soon as you start taking away the reward, you take away the behavior. And so it can't be conditional in that way. Uh, and so uh, if the guy who answered yes to my dad's question, like, let's see, eighth grade, that was what, 32 years ago, Jeff, I think now for you? Um, that was uh, 2000, the year 2000. Yikes. Uh, if, if the guy who answered yes to that question is, is leading kids, like I, I feel, I, I do feel quite a bit better about our odds as a, as a uh, coexisting society here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I think, uh, and as far as uh, my, my wrap up on that, um, you know, you brought up 
mission trips down south. You know, once on one of those trips, I threw a rock into Mexico. I threw it over the wall. I'm saying it's still there to this day. <laughs> I'm like, I wonder if it hit a building or whatever. Um, it's just a uh, failure of our wall. It should have been 10 feet higher. Oh, right. Yeah. I mean, hey, as a little eighth grader or however old I was, I was, I, I was really impressed at however tall the wall was. I'm like, yeah, I'm awesome. And wow, Jeff. Okay. Uh, anyway, so as far as like, uh, you know, like the soup kitchen, the, the gospel soup kitchen approach where there's a church service and then you eat or like, like, like you said, like we would go build houses and do things like that where r- really quick where the, the uh, helping hurts thing comes in is like, don't just go and build houses and leave, show them how to build houses. So they aren't dependent on groups like yours coming to help them live. They can learn how to do it themselves. Right. So think, think long-term. And so I love for our students to approach long-term approaches. Like we, we go to Dallas life, a great homeless shelter downtown has a 90% success rate for self sufficiency when the national rate is like, I don't know, 30 or 40%. Yeah, sure. and, and, and we go to serve dinner and it's not, and it's not because they wouldn't get dinner if we were there. If, if, it, if we weren't there, we go because we want to make relationships and get to know them and just say, Hey, and, that, and, that, yeah. and now we know them. Right. Um, so I think, you know, if you go to do a service project, if you go to help people who are in need and you help a church service uh, or, uh, or you, you help a church service go on, or you have one for people who you're helping or just for the helpers. If people don't show up to that church service, if you're talking with a guy in the street um, about what he needs and you point him to a place like Dallas life or whatever else. And then you also bring up your faith and say, Hey, you know, have you thought about Christianity? Have you, have you heard of it? Have you thought about Christ? And, and they say, no, you shouldn't consider that like, well, it's a, it's a failure and I shouldn't have even help that person in the first place. It's like, uh, it hopefully shouldn't be incentive and empathy separate. Hopefully as a believer, those two should be ingrained, but it shouldn't be, well, if you don't bend toward Jesus, then it, it's all a waste. That's not how we should approach things, right? It should be a reward. And yes, it's, it's, it's our motivation and we want people to have the ultimate good, if you will, but it's not our job to convert people. Scripture says it's the father's job to draw them to himself. And if we plant seeds, if we present the gospel, you know, that's, that's great. But also we shouldn't just present the gospel and leave. And that's the only thing we do for people. We should not just do words, but by actions and deeds. And in fact, those are usually louder and a better example of being a good human and a better example that you follow Jesus. They will know that you are my disciples by the way you love one another. That's what he told them. And so if we were to love one another and we should love everyone, not just Christians, that action, those actions of being good, of doing good, yes, I think Christians should point people to Jesus and present the gospel. But if you do those things, um, they should be incongruent. They should be uh, in uh, tandem with doing good things. And, uh, you know, if you do a... VBS and no kids come to Christ, you got to do good crafts and conversation with them. And they got to hang out with students or adults who cared on them when people at home might not care for them, right? That's totally worth it. That's totally worth every penny of investment, every minute of your time invested in that. And so, yes, I think there are um, examples where people treat it like one or the other, but hopefully it should be together. And yes, Christians, we should point people to Jesus Christ and the gospel. But if it's not up to us to convert them, and if they don't accept, it's not wasted time. We are doing what Jesus and scripture and God built us and commanded us to do by loving others and doing good, period. 
like it was in the book the whole time. There it is. There it is. Bro, uh, thanks again for joining me today. Uh, I'll be praying for you and your family during this ongoing COVID stuff. Hopefully online school works. Uh, hopefully our in-person stuff works. And man, I'm looking forward to our next chat. Be well, brother. Yeah, same. It was really good to see you. That concludes today's episode. Thanks again to Josh for joining me for a fantastic discussion. If you haven't already, I encourage you to like and subscribe to this podcast wherever you stream it and share this episode with believers and non-believers alike for a great example of how you can have a meaningful dialogue about a broad but important term like good. You can also catch our show on Eternity Ready Radio every Monday night at 6 Central. My next episode is an interview with Caitlin Chess, the author of The Liturgy of Politics. It is a fantastic read, and you can get the first chapter for free through the bio link on my social media pages. I encourage you to read that and pre-order the book in anticipation of the book launch date on September 8th when my interview with Caitlin goes live. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, adios. Adios.